0: standing firm and I'm going to be looking right now at standing firm in the battle and we're reading from Ephesians 6 Verse 10 through 20. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The 20th century, last century, was the age of conflict. There are military conflicts through almost every year of the 20th century and there were only short periods of time that the world was free from war. The total number of deaths caused by war during the 20th century has been estimated at around 187 million and is is probably even higher than that. The 21st century has seen not so much military wars yet but uh, there have been some of course but cultural wars in particular there's been a conflict between and the traditional conservative values, and those considered more liberal or in inverted commas progressive, um, and this is particularly pronounced in the United States, and it's seen manifest at the moment in the election, presidential election. But it's all over the West. A tension that is even in our own country. It originally a last century, but it has accelerated exponentially in this century, and it essentially at the core is. Um, a fight for the soul of the nation and it's been seen here in Ireland around the issues of marriage and uh, abortion and now euthanasia particularly in the public of Ireland and so there is pressure to conform to what is seen as a more liberal progressive outlook on life then there's also been a moral war uh, isaiah 520 talks about evil is called good and good is evil darkness is called light and light darkness bitter is called sweet and sweet bitter and the s word sin uh, isn't spoken of an awful lot these days it's absent from the debate and sadly it's a rather archaic term even in the church and so we live in this topsy-turvy world that isaiah talked about um, of, of a moral war then there's also an identity war how we designate ourselves no longer simply male or female but Uh, it's not even straight or gay anymore but there's a spectrum of possibilities uh, available to us regarding sexuality and the options are almost endless and so sexuality our sexual identity is now subjective to our thoughts and our feelings what we want rather than objective biological fact and i'll not get into all the details of that but there's even a conflict among people within the lgbtq plus uh, community over how they designate themselves. And then there's truth wars. Um, We live in a so-called post-truth society that tends to appeal to subjective emotions rather than objective fact. And we are inundated with fake news, especially through social media, and we just don't know who to believe. There is relative truth. Even Oprah Winfrey accepting her uh, Golden Globe um, in her speech talked about your truth, personal truth, relative to your experience rather than absolute fact for all one commentator uh, responded to that there is no such a thing as your truth there is the truth and your opinion but sadly our opinions have become conflated with the truth so we live in a time of utter confusion are you feeling that man are you feeling that in your personal life in your family in your workplace Um, How can we actually talk about right and wrong if truth is subjective? There's no such a thing as true or lie any longer. And One philosopher put it like this, we're all in the same playing field but we're all playing by different rules so that we can't have reasonable debate. And That's why people when we proclaim the gospel today and the truth of the scriptures they have no ears to hear, they're blinded. This is a totally disorientating environment that we find ourselves in. Now the response of many Christians to this is just to bury their head in the sand. And their attitude is that as long as my life, my family is okay, I'm not going to get involved. Live and let live. The problem is, guys, that this war is now coming to our doorsteps. It's coming to your workplace. It's coming to your family and your church. This battle, this scheme of the enemy... Is now displaying its true colors. It is a fascist conform or comply intolerance and what is prevalent in the big picture around us in society is now being reflected in the personal pressure that people feel in their own lives to compromise, to change their once held Christian traditional views, to change their attitudes and beliefs around these issues and many who profess to be Christians now uh, not only feel marginalized in society but they feel on the back foot personally. They feel like Jehoshaphat when he said there's a great multitude coming against us and we don't know what to do. Do you feel like that? Well how do we make sense of this? Well, it makes perfect sense, guys. Here's why. Because the Bible tells us that actually this is more real than some of the religious illusion that we've been living in for years. Because we are at war. The Bible says we've always been at war and we're presently at war and the war is not going to die down until Jesus comes and rules and reigns on the earth. So what can we do? I'm going to give you several things here today so that you can stand firm in the battle. One, recognize we're in a battle. Don't be in denial and don't succumb to the passivity that often pervades the church. In blissful ignorance we lie back and ignore it all. We need to realize we're in a bloody war. And the devourer of souls, our enemy the devil, wants to, to, to take our flesh and the flesh of our children. Chapter 5 of Ephesians and verse 14 It says, quoting um, another scripture, Isaiah, Awake you, sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. We need to waken up. There is a war on. But we need to understand that it's primarily a spiritual war. And this is often where the church makes mistakes today. Um, We wrestle not with flesh and blood, Ephesians here says in verse 12 of chapter 6, but all these spiritual entities. And this war may exhibit itself as a military conflict or a political debate or a culture war or political correctness or sexual revolution or some kind of spiritual confusion. But ultimately, these are only symptoms and manifestations of a deeper dynamic. There are more hidden machinations. This is a spiritual fight. At the core, it is a spiritual battle. Politics is not wrong and uh, some are called to the political realm, but it's not the answer, because this is a spiritual battle. The legal system must at times be utilized uh, to defend freedoms and against the advance of evil, I grant you that, but it's not the answer, because this is a spiritual battle. Apologetics and reason have their place, but this is not where the battle is fought and won. This is not an intellectual battle. No one was ever argued out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is a spiritual battle for the souls of humankind. And so we need to fight fire with fire. Spiritual fire with spiritual fire. We need to turn up the fire of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Now I know at times it's very overwhelming and I feel it too. There's times I can't listen to the media, certain talk shows in particular because I get frustrated at the agenda that often they have, and also even some Christians that ring in and speak on behalf of the church. Uh, sometimes it's cringeworthy and does my head in. Two, but what are we meant to do? Well, one, recognize we're in a battle, but two, start fighting the real enemy. We are not wrestling with, with people. We're not wrestling with politicians. We're not wrestling with governments. But we are wrestling, verse 12 says, chapter 6, against principalities, against powers, against the spiritual entities behind some of these particular propaganda drives. So let's not make it personal about people or individuals. And this is where we've lost the battle church at times because uh, people have perceived us as angry. Rather than the, the church militant we come across as the church belligerent and people have felt that we hate them. And that, that's drastically awful Uh, it's tragic because um, we don't reject people or at least we ought not to we ought not to judge people do you know what the greatest spiritual weapon that is available to us and some might think it's some of these implements that are mentioned here in Ephesians 6 no it's actually not the greatest weapon that we have against spiritual darkness is the weapon of love in Colossians 2 Verse 15 It says that at the cross Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in his cross. And so, the greatest act of love, Jesus dying on the cross, also disarmed principalities and powers. And it's still love that disarms darkness today. It disarms our greatest foe, the devil. And so, we are called to love our enemies. We are called to bless those who curse us. That is our greatest weapon. Ephesians four fifteen says we speak the truth in love. And so we're meant to reserve hatred for one uh, person and one person alone, and that's the devil. But we're meant to love everybody else, even those who follow and serve him. So start fighting the real enemy. You know, Recognize we are in a battle, but start fighting the real enemy. And thirdly, start using the right tactics. Before we consider the strength that we have in these weapons that are delineated for us here, we need to realize the plane on which we must fight this war. Use the right tactics. It's the spiritual dimension, as we've said. Not politics, not law primarily, not apologetics. All have their place. But we fight fire with fire. And and another aspect of this is fighting on the right level. Now, you know in, in military battle there's ground... Uh, warfare, ground troops, there's navy and the sea and then there's the air force in the skies. Now all of these are necessary but very often the greatest battles have been won from the air. I want to emphasize this for a moment or two because um, I'm not suggesting we don't do ground warfare that's the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom and doing acts of power in people's lives in Jesus name but sometimes we get entangled in unnecessary fights maybe in the second heavenly level of warfare, when really what we need to do is not get distracted by fighting on the earth and fighting the devil in the second heavens, but actually going to the third heaven, to the throne room, the highest vantage point in heaven, and see our enemies positioning, have his strategy exposed and actually take it from there ascend to the heavenly place from god's perspective see things standing in our position in christ and overcome with with those weapons that are not carnal but mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds you take that exhortation as we look around us we see an awful lot that would discourage us and overwhelm us on the earth as we look into the the realm where satan is the prince of the power of the air. And if we start wrestling with those demons and forces there, we'll get into all sorts of problems. What we need to do is go to HQ. Go to the heavenly vantage point, the courtroom of heaven. And understand and declare and believe what our possessions are and our position is. And start fighting from that place. Because that's the winning perspective. That's the winning vantage point. So recognize we're in a battle. Start fighting the real enemy. Start using the right tactics and start drawing from the correct source. Verse 10 of chapter 6, Ephesians says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Zachariah said, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so our heavenly position and our heavenly power are available to us and we need to utilize those. I mentioned Jehoshaphat right in Second Chronicles 20. Verse 15 and 17. As he faced that great multitude and he didn't know what to do, the Lord said to him and he spoke these words, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for battle. It's not your battle, but it's the Lord's. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord is with you. It's not our battle. And so we shouldn't get uptight. We shouldn't get unnecessarily discouraged or depressed. Because it's God's battle. And we need to put our trust, faith and hope in Him. That He is with us and He will deliver us. What is the personal battle that you are experiencing and trying to fight in your own life? Or maybe you've surrendered and give up, man. Is it a battle of temptation? Is a battle of accusation against you? The accuser around your identity, around your worth in Christ? Is it, is it in your marriage, your relationship? Is it, is it with your children? Is it in the workplace? Or is it some of the things that we've been talking about in the moral um, mar of, of our age and generation? Well, we need to start drawing from the power of God, the correct source. Don't fight in the flesh but actually get in the presence of God and soak in his power and go out to meet the battle in the power of the Holy Spirit as Jesus did as he faced the temptation in the wilderness and the power of the Spirit and through the word of the Lord. But finally, we need to utilize the weapons God has given us and we have them here in verse 14 uh, through to verse 18. Girding our waist with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, Uh, covering our feet with the preparation of the shoes of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith by which we will be able to quench the fiery darts of the devil putting on the helmet of salvation taking the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and praying always with all prayer all these different types of prayer now listen i haven't got time to go into each of these pieces of armor But Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And what you've got here in each of these pieces of armor is actually putting off the flesh that your New Testament talks about. Putting off the works of darkness and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ who is the armor of light. All the pieces of this armor correspond to the truth. The belt of truth, the truth of the righteousness of Jesus covering us, the truth of the of salvation covering our heads and our minds. The truth of the shoes of the gospel. The truth of peace that we're in. What have I missed? The truth of the shield of faith. That it is faith in God's word that causes us to overcome the world, First John says. And the truth of the sword of the spirit, the spoken word of God, the rhema of God. This is all the truth. And we pray in the truth, according to the truth. All these different types of prayer. So Jesus is the truth. And we cover ourselves with Christ Jesus and the knowledge of who we are in him and what we have in him. You see, spiritual warfare is not primarily a battle for power. It is a battle for truth. What is the truth? Jesus is the truth. And scripture is Jesus in print. George Orwell said, in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And this is a time of deceit. And we need to start telling the truth, preaching the truth, first and foremost to ourselves men. You need to declare over yourself who you are in Christ. You need to declare over yourself the weapons that you have to defeat the enemy. You need to declare over yourself the personal promises that God has given you in your life, and also the promises which are all yes and amen in Jesus Christ right throughout Scripture. We we have to prove this for ourselves, in our marriages, in our families in our homes, in our workplace, before we're ever going to see it happen as the church of Jesus in our land. What are the personal battles that you are experiencing? Is it sin? Is it Satan? Is it demonic? Is it your circumstances that you're in right now? Is it sickness of some kind in the body, in the soul, or the mind? Well, I want to declare to you that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us the shed blood of Jesus and the power of the resurrection this war is over and Satan is defeated and the battle that we actually find ourselves in in this moment is only the clearing up exercise after his defeat at the cross where Jesus cried out finished he wasn't finished but the enemy's work was to finish finished first uh, John tells us that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the wicked one and that's what he did in his cross. So do you live like that? I know we've all got our bad days, believe you me, I've got mine. But when we are faced with the battle, whatever the battle might be, individually, in our homes and in the church, how are we gonna stand? How are we gonna fight? Are we gonna stand firm? That's what this scripture says. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Later on it says, being able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. This is what we need, men. We need to quit you like men and be strong. Be like men. Men of God. And stand in the strength of the Lord. Take the weapons that he's given us and fight the way he's taught us to fight. And fight the true enemy. D-Day took place on June the 6th, 1944. And it was on that day that the Allied forces invaded Europe crossing the English Channel and landing on the beaches of Normandy. It was the largest amphibious assault in world history, as air, land and sea forces sought to turn the tide of World War II by getting a foothold in Europe. And by the end of that day, 160,000 American, British and Canadian troops had landed along a 50 mile stretch of the French coast. The fatality estimates range from 2,500 to 5,000, it was a costly victory, but it was a victory nonetheless. And in fact, it could be said that World War II was won on D-Day. It was the decisive battle of the war. May 8th, 1945 is called Victory Europe Day, VE Day, and it marks the unconditional surrender of the German army forces and the end of the Third Reich. So the war effectively was won on D-Day, but the enemy's surrender and cessation of hostilities didn't come to V-E Day. And so in between those two days, there was a lot of fighting that still went on, but the outcome was certain and secure. And we as Christians kind of live between our D-Day Calvary, where Jesus cried, it is finished, and the victory, not Europe, but Victory Kingdom Day that will happen when Jesus returns, I believe, very, very soon, sooner than we realize. And so we are in this in-between period where we're still fighting, but we know the victory is ours in the finished work and resurrection of Jesus. But we still got to fight, guys. But all heaven is on our side, even when all hell is against us. I'm going to pray with you right now. And I want you by faith to summon as it were down into your life and experience all the power that God has made available to you through the death of Jesus so that you may fight the good fight and know that you cannot fail if you're standing in the strength of the Lord let's recognize there's a battle let's start fighting the real enemy let's start using the right tactics let's draw on the correct source and let's utilize the weapons that God has given us in the victory that he has won in Jesus. Lord I thank you for these men and women if they're watching too. I thank you for who they represent in your church among your people. I thank you that they're here for today and this generation. Lord the heroes of the faith in the past will not do today and those that are still to come aren't available to us But we are those who have been called to stand fast in the battle, stand firm in this present moment that we're in. And what a moment we are in, Lord. And I pray now for these men that you'll cast off them the restraints of discouragement, despondency, depression and lethargy and passivity and weakness and defeat. And Lord, that you come to them now with a prophetic word from your heart to tell them now that they can be strong in the power of the Lord. And you have made available to them this armour and in the strength of Christ they can prevail over the enemy and have victory on their behalf, on the behalf of their marriages and their, their children and their grandchildren, their homes, their communities and their churches. Lord, raise up an army a fearless army of men and women. But I pray particularly for these men that you'll raise them up to overcome for the glory of Jesus, I pray. And I just pray that you will infuse them now with your fatherly strength and power. Baptize them with the Holy Spirit and strength to fight this fight. And Lord, may you enable them. And this is one of my greatest prayers for them right now. May you enable them To use the weapon of love. That people outside of the church will say. How these Christians love one another. And that we'll even be able to love our enemies. And that will turn the tide. In the spiritual battle that is in our community. Right at this moment. And in our world. So thank you Lord Jesus. That we're more than conquerors through you. Thank you that we overcome through your blood. And the word of our testimony. And may that not just be something. That rolls easily off our lips in a confession or declaration but may it be something that we're living and manifesting day by day for the glory of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day and may you have a wonderful time through everything else that you learn. See you again soon. Bye.